All right. Um, we've been uh, preaching a sermon series on suffering, a theology of suffering, an understanding of why things uh, go wrong in our lives, how to deal with it. Um, and, uh, and today, um, we're going to deal with, with testing and trials. I'm going to focus on this story from Genesis 16, but the passage in James is really helpful in giving us a grid about how to understand this story. Um, when, when James says to uh, count your trials as pure joy because it's refining your faith, making you complete. Uh, so what I want to get across today, what I want us to see in this passage is that um, you, if you belong to Jesus, you may take the test to get your rest. In other words, God is not uh, discovering who you are. He's improving who you are when he tests you. He's not, um, he's not discovering whether you have faith. He's refining your faith in his testing. So take the test. Engage the test. Take the test to get your rest. The, uh, the passage, I'm just going to summarize it real quickly because it was a long one. Um, but uh, but uh, God's people have recently been, uh, in our passage in Exodus 16, recently rescued out of Egypt where God did mighty acts of power to deliver his people. He parted the Red Sea and he collapsed, uh, so they could walk through. He collapsed it back on top of their enemies to destroy and defeat their enemies. They've just sung this great song to God. But then almost immediately they start uh, grumbling because they get thirsty. But then God provides water. And then he leads them from this place of a whole lot of water and provision, and they go into the wilderness, and it's been a little while, and they're starting to get hungry. And that's where, where we find them in our passage, and they start grumbling against the Lord uh, and saying, you know, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt to die and all these things. Uh, so, so God decides that he's going to answer them. And he answers them not at all in keeping with their grumbling, right? He didn't give them... Uh, you know, like stale bread or like wheat bread or something gross like that. Um, you give them really nice wonder bread, right? No, uh, God doesn't. God answers them not in keeping with their grumbling. He gives them something very good, and even the quail, He provides meat for them. The quail seems to be a one-time thing in this story, but the uh, the bread it says at the end of the passage that we didn't read they had every morning for forty years until they reached the promised land. And so God gives them two commands. Hey, listen, I'm going to provide for you. I want you to take, I want you to receive what I give you in the way I'm telling you to, to receive it. I want you to gather enough for one day. An omer is about two quarts. I want you to gather enough for one day and don't keep any overnight. Did they follow that one? No. Good job. Uh, and then he says also, uh, on the sixth day, I'm going to um, provide enough for two days. So gather double that day. But don't go out on the seventh day. It's a day of rest. You don't need to go out. Do they, uh, do they do that one? No. Still go out. This whole, the, and the Sabbath, this, uh, this passage has actually been convicting to me in this respect. But that's a different sermon for a different day. It's the first mention of the Sabbath um, in Scripture. I mean, you wouldn't think that like it's that hard to take a break, right? Like God just says, hey, how about a break? I'll take care of it. I'll give you enough. But it's, anyways, it's just amazing. We fight over it so much and resist it so heartily. Um, <clears throat> so uh, God does provide for them. And he says, what I want to emphasize is he says, this is a test. I'm going to test my people. 
You see, he's leading them from there to Mount Sinai where he's going to have, where he's going to enact his special relationship with them. He's going he's to give them his law, his, uh, uh, what we call the covenant. He's going to make a special deal, a special relationship with them. And he says, I'm going to test them with this manna thing to see if they're going to obey my words, if they're going to live by my word. That's what I'm testing right now with this manna thing. So, summary of the passage. God is testing his people, and we are encouraged today to take the test and receive our rest. Let's pray. Father, we need your word because... um, All human words are insufficient. Um, So open up your word to us by the power of your spirit. Pour your grace and your truth into our hearts and change us. Don't leave us the same today. Amen. A lot of my uh, favorite stories I've realized, a common theme or a common feature of some of my favorite stories is a twist. Like a really good twist, either in a book or a movie or something. Some unexpected happenstance that changes the way you view every. Typically, it changes the way you view everything before it or it, or it or it shapes everything that comes after it. A really good twist, but the problem with bringing that up is that I can't actually reference any of them because then I'd just ruin the story for you. So I can tell you there are really good twists in lots of my favorite movies like The Sixth Sense. Such a good twist, and you have to like rethink everything. It's okay to say there's a twist. It's not giving anything away. But you can't talk about many of them. One of them that you can't talk about, though, because it was one of the greatest twists in all of cinematic history. Anybody guess it? The Sting? Good guess. Who said Sting? Yeah, well, your son got it. That was a good guess. I really do like that movie. The Empire Strikes Back, right? The greatest twist Okay, the most unexpected twist ever to happen in a story, regardless of the fact that Vader means father in German. Nobody saw it coming. (laughs) Nobody saw that one happening. So Luke has this whole mission up to this point. He's part of the rebels. They're going to defeat the evil empire. He's going to destroy this wicked uh, man named Darth Vader who killed Luke's father figure, Obi-Wan, in the first movie. And now he's got to fight him and destroy him. And he's... He's fighting him, and then all of a sudden, no, I am your father. And there's this twist, and, and Luke, he looks like a beaver in that point. No, that's impossible. <laughs> it's really bad, Mark Hamill, sorry. But he does. But there, it's a great movie. So, but there's this automatically, there's this twist. As soon as Luke wraps his head around the twist, he's got a different mission. everything has changed. Now his job is not to, like, destroy everything bad. He has now got to rescue his father. He's got to call out the light that's in his father, rescue him from the dark side, reclaim, redeem. These words sound familiar. He's got to save his father from the dark side. Just that one twist in the story uh, changed the trajectory of the whole thing. A really good twist. You ever wonder if a really good twist is coming in your life? Like a really fun one. There's some really bad twists that happen in all of our lives, but one twist that was common to me as a kid, I was certain this would happen one day. I would discover that everyone around me is actually robots, and I'm being filmed for the entertainment of millions. <laughs> and I would find out that the world actually does revolve around me. <laughs> that was the twist I was expecting. 
I know you guys are laughing, but I know I'm not alone. I've heard other people say the same thing. Some twist may be coming. A really good twist. Um, that is that is what God offers in this in this passage. And as uh, as we looked at a, a similar theme in our small group this week, one of our small group members had this great moment. Um, we were kind of wrestling with this idea that that uh, that we ought to take the test to receive our rest. That that God is is uh, is testing and trying us. Uh, and she said, "You know what that does for me? That changes it from why me to why me. What do you want from me? What do you have for me? You know, the difference is is an angry I don't deserve this to to a, a hand like from from hands clenched to hands open. That's the twist that we are offered today. Why me?" Why me? The Israelites are, are, are being tested by God here. Um, he's asking them, will you receive the good that I have for you? Will you receive what I want to give you in the way that I command you to receive it, in the way that's best? I chose this passage because um, God is testing his people. Most of the time when we think about trial or test, we think about a lack or a removal or some, some awful thing coming in on top of us. And, uh, and even just looking around the room, there's a lot of that kind of trial in our midst. And there's this whole other trial being kind of, uh, you know, people who live the lifestyles those, that, that many of us live. We live uh, typically in safe communities. Um, a lot of us... I doubt that anybody wondered what, uh, if, if they were going to get food this morning. I think Eric, has said, Eric says often, to make this point, if you got up and looked in your closet and wondered what to wear, then you're automatically in like the top 1% of humanity because you have more than one option. We, we live more often in a, in a trial of plenty, Kind of like what the, uh, what the Israelites were receiving here. It's a trial by plenty. It's a trial by provision. How will you receive the good God has given you? Will you receive it in his terms, on his terms? How are you doing with that? The Israelites uh, disobeyed at like, every turn possible. How are you doing with the plenty that God is, is putting into your lap? Does anybody know what this is? Yeah, it's about doorstop. Yeah, maybe somebody. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, I mean, it's often used as a tiny ramp in our house. It's just a block. Who said a block? It's just a play block. Somebody in the last service said, a shim. I was like, that would be some really bad carpentry. It's only off by an inch and a half. I can get it level. I know it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, it's just a block. This is a shape. It's just, it's a shape that, um, if, all right, so if this is most of our natural shape, if this is the shape of God's people, the Israelites, as they come out of Egypt, this I would categorize as a not receptive shape. Right? So God wants to give them a trial where they receive what I give to them. And, uh, and there's, 
Yeah, they're kind of, I don't know, not everybody can see that, but you get, that's a, you get the idea. He wants to pour out some blessing on them, but they're, oh, God, and they're right on the floor. They're floored by it. Um, they still can't receive it. It just, it just flows right off. Right? They, 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 can't, they can't receive what he wants to give them. They're not receiving, but here's my favorite thing that we do. Oh, I know. I, I didn't pass that test. I'll fix myself. For those of you who can't see, I just laid the block down, and then here come the blessings, and they just flow off again. Because it's not a it's not a receptive state, right? So God is coming to these people who actually don't have the capacity to receive what He wants. You and I, we don't have that capacity to receive the good that God wants to give us. It's like the Israelites; um, He gave them two commands. He gave him two commands. He said, I will feed you fresh manna every day, but don't keep it until the morning. But some of them did. You know what these people are? They're the lazy man's load. Do you know what the lazy man's load is? The lazy man's load is when you open up your trunk after you go to the grocery store, and then you get them all, and you, like, wind them onto your arms, and you got, I think I can get the watermelon too, and you're walking into the house like this, and you realize the door is actually latched, and you're checking it. Somebody come to the door! Because you're going to drop, and you've got them all in your arms. My friend's grandmother calls that the lazy man's load. It's not actually the working man's load, because the working man would just do it three times and like make sure all the eggs got there safely and nothing got crunched. But the lazy man is ready to get that stuff done. Get it finished, because i got to move on to not work. i got a lot of not work to do, and this grocery stuff is getting in my way. That's what the lazy man's led. That's what the, the Israelites, they wanted to gather all at one time and be done with it. Be all finished. What makes you, uh, what makes you carry the lazy man's load? What makes you rush to get to your rest? This is not everybody. This is only some of us. It's okay if you're like, I don't connect with that at all. I work all the time. We're getting to you. What makes you, <laughs> what makes you carry the lazy man's load? The baby? Yeah. Yeah, well, you can't leave the baby in the car. You get arrested for that stuff these days. Um. What makes you carry the lazy man's load? I want to, I got to get to my rest. If I don't get it in, if I, if I do three trips of the grocery bags, then that's another six minutes. And I have six minutes. Maybe I could like check my Facebook and reply. Maybe I could reply to that text. Cause if I reply to that text now, I can finish that conversation before tonight at eight 30 when the kids go to bed. Because if I don't finish the text conversation at eight 30, then I'll be texting at eight 30 until like nine 30. And then at nine 30, it's pretty much time for bed. And I've missed that an entire hour. I've got to do the lazy man's load. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Maybe not at all. That's me. Okay. Confession again. That's that's my that's what I do. I want to get it all done so I can get to my rest because I don't believe that rest is coming unless I grab it. I don't believe it's going to come unless I take it. Unless I shove people out of the way to get to it. Well, how about the other command? The first command was gather enough for one day, don't keep any over. The second command was 
on the sixth day, gather enough for two days. Don't go out on the seventh day. You know what? Take a break. Have a break. I am the Lord your God, the master of the universe, and I'm telling you to take a day off. If you have a hard time with that, I think there's something wrong with you. You need to adjust yourself to the, to the universe. Um, why is rest so hard for us? Why are, why are, why are some of us seventh-day gatherers? Are you going to miss an opportunity? You see that buck floating by. And if only I kind of got back at it, if only I put the nose to the grindstone, that'd be in my pocket rather than somebody else's. I could gain that. I'm going to get behind. All my classmates, uh, they're they're working today. They're going to get, and and I know this teacher kind of only gives out a number of A's, and if I'm not in that top percentage, then I won't get those grades. I'm going to slip behind other people. Other people are going to slip in in front of me. They're going to take the place that could be mine, the place of honor, the place of advancement, the place of more, the place of plenty. My Uncle Denny is uh, from the Chicago area, and when he was a 16-year-old, he had his first job on a construction crew. So he gets there as like this typical 16-year-old, like really eager to do really well and wants to, you know, kind of impress the boss and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, because he's 16, they put him on the menial task, right? Denny, shovel this load of gravel into the wheelbarrow over to there, okay? So then you spread it out. That's your job, Denny. Okay, so then he's, oh, I'm going to shovel, shovel, shovel in, shovel in, shovel in, wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow. Denny's jumping. Now i got to go, go back, go back, go back. And all of a sudden, like, he's about to start his second load, and this old-timer comes up and says, Denny, 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 what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I don't shovel, man. i got to get it over there. Whoa, whoa, here, let me, let me just, here you go. Take a shovel full. Rest. <laughs> Take another shovel full. Rest. You're making us look bad, kid. Come on. Now, my story that family was always told is like, isn't this ridiculous? Like the real, uh, you know, people who can't work very hard and all. That was the slant that was given in my story. But, you know, uh, a lot of us need to hear that from the old timer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take a shovel full and rest. This is a long time. This is a, it's a long life you got here. You ain't got to get it in all right now. Take a shovel full and rest. God tells his people that he provides enough for two days on that. So he provides enough for you to take a day off. Your God provides enough for you to take a day off. If you don't have enough to take a day off, then God's not your provider. You're getting your goods from somewhere else. I'm not saying it's easy to receive this. I'm not just saying you just oh, throw it up. Okay, I don't have to do any work one day a week. Or, uh, you know, or whatever your obedience for you looks like in this moment is not easy. God gave the Israelites commands they just didn't understand. They didn't get it. Why would I have to wait? Why can't I just gather enough? Why does it work twice on the double amount on the sixth day and not every other day of the week? What? I don't understand it. God doesn't always give us commands we can understand. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but, but look what he does do. Look at how he encourages us in this passage. 
to take the test to receive our rest. Um, you know what happens, what, 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 what that, uh, that member of our small group was expressing when she said, it moves me from why me to why me. She's realizing a few things in that moment. She's realizing if you see this as a test or a trial, then it means it's actually from God. Then it means the circumstance that you're entering into that's, that's coming to you is from God. It means it's from him. He could have chosen so many ways that would not have been a trial or a test to his people. He could have chosen ways they understood to provide for them. He could have not waited until their food ran out in order to provide, but he didn't. He didn't. He chose a way where they would have to to acknowledge this food is from God. This provision is from God. This rest is from my God. He's calling attention to it. It's from him, these circumstances, these trials. And because of that, there is purpose. There's purpose. He's testing to bring them near. I heard this story when I was uh, a lot younger. I was probably actually Hank's age, like around middle grade school, when I heard this story of um, this little girl who went outside with her dad, and, and she went to go climb a tree, and the dad stayed on the ground. Um, and she's climbing up, and she's saying, Dad, do you see where I am? You see how high? And he said, yeah, I see it. That's great, honey. That's great. And she's climbing, and he's watching, looking up in the tree, and all of a sudden the dad says uh, in, a, in a very stern tone, Honey, be absolutely still. Stay right there. And she freezes, and he leaves. And he runs into the house, and he comes back out with his, with his rifle. And he, and he comes back under where he's standing, and he aims up into the tree, and he fires that rifle right next to the daughter, and, uh, and out from the tree falls uh, a poisonous snake. He told her to freeze because if she had climbed one more handhold, she would have put her hand right on top of that snake, and it wouldn't have been the snake falling out of the tree. It would have been his daughter. But she obeyed. She believed and obeyed. In that moment, it was, there was a test. Will you trust and obey? You know what that story brings to mind for me? All the teeny tiny myriad of little tiny tests that happened before that. What small insignificant circumstances were given in front of this little girl to obey her dad and trust him that led up to that one absolutely crucial obedience? The teeny ones that led to the life-saving ones. God is testing us It's a test that leads to our life, that leads to our good, that leads to our nearness to him. He's testing us to bring us near to him. Thirdly, there's a pattern that fits the purpose. Um, Every morning, God gives his children a banquet, and every evening, he returns them to the place where they originally grumbled. You see that? Every morning, he provides abundantly Gather, gather a ton, gather a bunch of that stuff. He says over and over in the passage, eat until you're full. But every night he brings them to the place of emptiness. Every night he brings them to the place where there is none and there will be none. I will be hungry. My kids will be hungry. I'll look into the, to, to the eyes of my hungry children tomorrow morning unless God shows up. Unless he does what he says he'll do. And again and again. He could have done it any other way. 
He could have done it. He could have given them food that saved for a lifetime and never went bad. And that was miraculous. But he chooses to give them food this way again and again. From the banquet to the wilderness, again and again and again and again and again. So they have to trust him day after day after day after day. That banquet to the wilderness is pretty much like in between meals for me every day. I ate a good breakfast, and an hour and a half later, I'm starting to fantasize about what's coming for lunch. And then I start to wonder, like, and then I start getting pretty hangry by the time, like, 11.30 rolls around, and I know I've got, like, a 30-minute drive till I can eat my lunch or whatever. Like, I've got, like, my lunch meeting at 12.15. How am I going to possibly make it? No, I can't eat an apple. That just makes it feel worse. i got to have – and then by the time dinner rolls around, man, I am elbowing children to get to that food. That banquet, banquet to the wilderness, that's a regular occurrence for me. When's it coming? Who's feeding me? Who's going to feed me? Take the test to get your rest. Take the test. God is, um, is testing to bring his kids near. He's testing to bring his kids near. There's a testing with bread. He offers his children a test with bread. And there was another one of his children who was tested about bread. He spent not 40 years in the wilderness. He spent 40 days. He, spent not, not, he did not receive bread every morning, but he received no provision for 40 days in the wilderness. And then Jesus was tempted by Satan where he said, make the bread for yourself. Be your own provider. Do it your way. And he said, he didn't say, God's going to give me bread. I know it. He said, man is not to live on bread alone. He cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I will trust the word of my God. Just like God said to the Israelites, I'm testing them to see if they will trust my word. If they will obey me about the bread. And they failed. And you and I failed. We don't receive what he has for us. But Jesus, Jesus succeeded where we failed. And so that's why he can, be, he can say this, as he was in the wilderness in John 6, and as he fed God's people with real bread, he says to them, I am the true bread from heaven. Anyone who believes in me, all who come to me will never be hungry. Any who believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, Jesus passed the test of discernment. Is there faith there? He passed that on our behalf. So now every test is not about discerning faith. It's about refining faith for you and me. If we receive this test of bread, will you, will you come to Jesus? Will you believe that he's your provider? When you pass that test, every other test is refining. I have a friend who used to be a chaplain at Harvard University. And we all think of Harvard University as this place for absolute brainiacs and like only the smartest of the smart could possibly succeed there. And if I was dropped in the middle of a test at Harvard University, I would utterly fail without a doubt. But he said, actually, the well-known fact around that community is the hard part is getting in. Now, once you pass that test, the rest of it is, is, uh, is just is kind of exploration and growth. They have these, you know, these, uh, every, every term starts with two weeks called the shopping period where you go around to different classes and you sit in them and you decide, uh, do I like that professor? Do I like what they're exploring this, this semester? Do I want to be part of that? 
And, you, and, and so those, those tests are a lot more gauged by what you want to learn and, what you, and how you want to grow. But the actual difficult part is, is the getting in. Once the getting in is done, the rest is really not that difficult. Once the getting in is done, the rest of it, the rest of it is not, not nearly as difficult. When we receive, when we believe that Jesus has passed the test about the bread on our behalf, we know that we're in. We're in. And so every other test is not, are you going to be in or out? Am I going to push you away? Are you going to be thumbs up, A plus? The rest of the tests are about refining and growing and growing closer. God is inviting you to take the test and find your rest. He's no longer discerning. These tests aren't uh, a discerning of your character. They're a refining of your character. He's not holding out the verdict on you, waiting to see how you'll handle this or that trial. The verdict is in, and he'll never push you away. The testing circumstances are him drawing you near. He's shaping you. From this that can't receive, that, that has no ability to accept what he gives you. And he's shaping you slowly into this. A shape that will that will hold, receive, enjoy. That's what the James passage is about. The, 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 the refining of your faith, the shaping of your faith is for your complete joy. Count it joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet these trials. It's for your happiness. That's what he's going after. It's for your happiness. This is this is one of those midway twists. It's a happy twist. Oh, it's a test. Oh, I'm not being pushed away. I'm not being tested to see whether I can come in or not. It's a refining. It's a shaping. It's a growing. It's an opportunity. Oh, it's this whole other thing than I thought. It's a happy twist, a midway twist. I have a mission to accept it. I have a mission to accept it. You know, a frog who would, who would, uh, like lives in a pond and jumps from lily pad to lily pad, wanting to avoid the water, that frog will eventually dry up, right? Frogs aren't supposed to live that way. They're supposed to get wet. They are, in fact, amphibians. They're supposed to get wet. They'll dry up if they don't get in that water. And we, when we live our life jumping from lily pad to lily pad, avoiding the waters of testing and trial, then, our heart, then we are people who eventually dry up. We dry up. But what would it look like if we were, we were the people here who engaged the testing, who entered the waters of testing, who received what God has for us? One idea, what if we are the people who knew how to say yes to him? What if we are the people who knew a wise yes and a wise no? If it's all a test, if it's all a good, kind trial, a, sh- a trial that shapes us, then, then every opportunity is a chance to say a wise yes or a wise no. Can you help with this? Uh, yes, yes I can. That'll be hard for me. I'll sacrifice and I'll help. Uh, or can you help with that? No, you know what? God's given me rest. I'm taking a break. I'm okay with that. I know you're upset with me. 
I don't need, uh, I don't need to pass your test. I've already passed the test. I'm already in. What if, what if people in this community could really trust us when we said yes or we said no? They don't have to do that thing like, oh, wait, I mean, are you sure? Are you really sure? Because if you don't want to, you don't have to. What if they just trusted that we would say yes, yes, and then we would do it? How would that shape, how would that faithfulness shape who we are in this community? How would that shape Jesus' good name here? If we are the people of a good and wise yes and a good and wise no. If we are people who knew that the test had been passed, and so everything else is just a trial to refine us. And the only thing that hangs in the balance is our nearness to our Savior. Will you take the test and find your rest? Will you let God shape you with the trials so that you can be shaped into a vessel to hold his blessings? I sure hope you will. Heavenly Father, we want to be shaped by you, by your word. We want to be formed by you. We want to receive all the good that you're pouring out on us. So please, um, show us where we are uh, resisting your trials. Show us where we can receive our life as a kind and gracious trial from you to be drawn nearer and nearer to you. Thank you.